Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you for awesome worship. We thank you for the name above every name, Jesus. We thank you for the blood of Jesus by which we draw near, with which we have confidence that we are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus, heirs of God, children of God. Just pray you would bear witness. We pray the gospel, the good news of your kingdom would, would fill every facet and dimension of our lives, that any area that has been blocked off by fear, by unbelief, by uh, strongholds, addictions, you name it, God, you know it. We pray you would break through today, Holy Spirit, that the word of God would be life and light, that you'd give us hearing ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I have to, we've been doing this first fruits offering for, I think, about 12 years. Um, and it's been phenomenal. It's, it's literally changed the, our world. It's changed. It's allowed us to, to dive into harvest fields, to have resources to give. And for many of you, it's been breakthroughs with just all kinds of amazing areas of provision, restoration, um, and we'll, we'll get into a little of that, but it's literally changed our world. So, you know, the question is, why didn't we do this 30 years ago? <laughs> so, so I'll tell you the story, you know, my struggle, uh, this was birthed in a complaining prayer to God, you know, which I love the Psalms because there's plenty of complaints in there, you know, like if, if you're complaining, Sometimes in a family, we don't complain, we give thanks, but sometimes we assess, like, how's it going? So I'm talking to God, you know, and we've, 1991, we're in the warehouse, in the hood, Kim Clements there, giving words of knowledge. Actually, and he was, he was ministering to Anne, and he had a word for her, and, and it turned into a word for the whole church about a name change and all this stuff. And then he, he said, he said, I see a property. And he prophesied this very hill we're, we're on that it would be uh, overlooking a freeway that people would drive by and say, there it is up there. And all these things have happened, you know, purposes of the children, purposes of training, on and on. But, and so this is, you know, we're already here. The year 2000, we were here. Miracle after miracle after miracle. But the truth be told, you know, we just had enough. We always had enough. To, we never were laid on our bills, hallelujah. Once in a while, we're laid on payroll, but very rarely. But, we, you know, we just, there weren't, we couldn't take on real projects. And we always had a heart to give and a heart to reach. And, and so I'm, I'm, griping to God, you know, saying, God, you know, thank you for all the miracles. You say thank you, and but where is the beef? You know, where's, where's the more than enough, you know? And, and so I'm just saying we could use it, you know? Like, and he said, why don't you take first fruit offering? It was very clear. And my answer was, well, you know, I didn't really know, understand that. So that's how a lot of times God, you know, he doesn't just give us uh, the package, but he sends us on a journey. And so my life was changed, 
You know, my life was changed by this. My mind was transformed, you know, by the renewing of my mind. I began to study first fruits, and a lot of great things happened. And, and I would say the end result of this is a prosperous soul. You know, our mind gets renewed, then we can find, discern the will of God. And we end up discovering <laughs> that our lives are rooted and grounded in love on, in every dimension. You know, not just like God's affectionate toward us, but that his love, it becomes the governing reality of our existence. Whew. And I just pray that's for you, that you might know the love of God. You know, the love God has for you, for us. And we'd be confident in it. This is eternal life. But um, so, you know, Psalm 23 became a reality. The Lord is my shepherd. There's no lack. Like, it doesn't exist within that dimension, within your assignment, because Yahweh, the, one, the self-existent God who will be what he will be, is your shepherd, there's no lack. And so when we're in lack, it's because there's something where we're not connecting to the full. So all of this, you know, begins to work in my, and the, Chandi spoke near the beginning of the year on Psalm 1, the blessing of God that's on us, that, that it's his will, that it's the defining, you know, Ephesians 1, 3, he's blessed us with every blessing in heavenly places. Could you just say the word every? Like, that pretty much, we can't exhaust it. You know, Psalm, the Psalter, the, you know, the Psalm 1, 1, Ashrei Haish in Hebrew, blessed is a man, happy blessed is a man who, who's not part of this world system, it's found something better. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And, and he, you know, it becomes that, that fountain of life for him that causes him to become a tree planted by the rivers or even the canals that he dug himself of water, that it's fruitful and it's, multi, you know, it's in season that its leaves don't wither. Thank you. These are pictures of our lives. So God, I just pray. I pray that, that this whole community of faith would enter into a place where there's no lack, would enter into a place that it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I mean, of, of course, we're in this world, and in this world, we have pressures, tribulations, it's guaranteed, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You know, we live in his peace, his shalom. So, so this has been a journey, and it, you know, John wrote to his friend Gaius, he said, beloved, I pray that you will prosper in every way, you know, that you'll prosper in all things, in all respects, that you'll be in good health even as your soul prospers. And that word, I mean, to put this in common English, he says, I'm praying that you'll be successful in everything you do, even as you have a successful personality. You know, that, that prosperity, it means a good way. It means that the right door's open, the wrong door's closed, or you just recognize them. Jesus, this is my prayer for all of you. So, this is, you know, what is that prosperity soul? It's a wholesome way of thinking. <laughs> It's a wholesome way of feeling. It's the lens by which, through which we interpret the world. That's the renewal of the mind, that our, our mind goes back to the intention of God, that we see everything as we're living in him. 
We're not strangers trying to please, you know, a distant God. We're living in him. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's like you can't get more heavenly than being the temple of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, this is all processing. And I realize this first fruits is an opportunity to partner with God, to co-labor with him, to participate with him regarding the future of our lives, our families, and the world around us. And so it's an opportunity. I mean, it's like we can instruct the future, you know, like um, how to treat us, how we'd like to live, what we hope for our children. If we had that opportunity, it just seems like we should try this. So the first year, you know, was done with a lot of trepidation and fear. I remember I, I taught, I don't know if it was six or seven weeks before the first fruit. And I was terrified somebody would think this was a gimmick, you know, like I just had to cover all the bases. Everyone patiently waited. Then we had the first fruit Sunday and thinking like, well, maybe some people will show up. Everyone came. They're all excited. They couldn't wait. And it's, it was a holy moment. And we've done this year after year. We receive the offerings. We pray. We declare blessings over everyone sowing. We take all of these offerings. We lift them and present them to the Lord as our corporate first fruit offering. And year after year, the blessing just increases. And, and it's so we look forward to this. And um, and really what we've seen, we've seen hundreds of testimonies, seemingly impossible breakthroughs, jobs that, you know, came from, you know, just like blessing, debts canceled, properties bought or sold, businesses started, ministries, family restorations, marriages healed, restored, you know, brought into being, babies born, scholarships, on and on and on it goes. Because really, we're sowing seeds for miracles. So I want to share a testimony with you, one of the hundreds of testimonies. It's very powerful. Ingrid Molinaris who's the daughter of Stella Molinaris. You may know Stella. January of 2020, I was told that I would be losing my job in July of 2020. And then a couple weeks later, a month later, as we know, um, the pandemic hit. And I'm like, how am I gonna find a job in this situation? But during that time, I was also experiencing physical symptoms. Um, that I just thought were stress-induced. My speech was being was slurred, and I finally made the decision that I had to go to the doctors. And at that time, the doctor was concerned that she ordered an MRI stat. And so in June, I was diagnosed with MS, and I officially lost my job in July of 2020. And then in August, I lost my insurance. I had to go on treatment right away. I just felt defeated. I felt like my body was rejecting me. I felt like I was just faced with rejection all over all parts of my life. And so I just committed to reading my Bible for hours on end every day. Worship music I had on all day. And I was just hoping and believing for something to happen. I think First Fruits was being introduced. At that time, I was like, God, I don't have a lot to give but I'm gonna give everything that I have and I'm gonna trust you. And my mom said, you know, if you wanna participate in First Fruits, be specific with your prayer request. God loves a specific prayer. But at that time, all I wanted was a job 
that was essentially handed to me. I thought, I can't put this into words. I can't put this in a prayer. But in my heart, I was like, God, but I really need this. And so I submitted my first fruits and I just said, God, let your will be done. And a couple months later, I received a text message um, from a friend that I probably talked to five times out of, out of the year. And she just texted me, you know, I don't know your job situation. I don't even know if you're in the same field. Um, but I actually think you'd be great at a consultant position right now if you want to do that for a few weeks. And I said, yeah, absolutely. The job was also 100% remote. So I didn't have to worry about my side effects or anything like that. And I said, this is perfect. So I did that for a couple weeks. And then at the end of those few weeks, she actually messaged me and said, I think we've come to realize that this position should actually be full time. I just felt so overwhelmed because I felt God saying to me, Ingrid, I'm not gonna only give you a job that you don't have to interview for. I'm gonna give you a 100% remote job and I'm gonna give you a job making the most money you've ever made. And you don't have to do a thing. I was just overwhelmed because no one knew my prayer, but I was trusting God the whole way. So I've been with my organization for a year and a half and I was promoted this past November. And in that same week, which happened to be my birthday week, the doctors told me that my MS um, has not progressed. It, uh, the, I'm responding well to my treatment. The symptoms are gone. Just watching God not only keep his promises, but over deliver. I'm just overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Beautiful. I, I don't know if Ingrid's here. You know, if you're here, Ingrid, stand up. There you are. Bless you. What a great testimony. What a great testimony. So Ingrid normally is part of our online congregation, lives in Philadelphia, and amazing. What an amazing testimony. So, you know, lose your job, lose your health, lose your insurance, just make a big offering. And, you know, I mean, obviously it's not mechanical, it's, it's the relationship with God. She heard, her heart was there, and what, what a testimony, absolutely amazing. So, your story, Ingrid, reminds me a little bit of Elijah and the widow, you know? It's like, at the worst time, just give it all, you know? It's like, amazing. So, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. So, I want to go through these principles, and, uh, and so this will be a teaching more than a preaching, and uh, I, I hope you'll just let, let give... Give the Holy Spirit opportunity to speak to your heart. What is first fruits? It's first fruit. A tithe is something. I mean, literally, a tithe is something we give after we have income. You know, a tithe is it's a tenth. You know, and um, but where first fruits is an offering that we give before there's income. You know, this is like at the beginning of the harvest. The, God instructed his covenant people, Israel, to bring sheaves from the very first fruits of the harvest, present them to the Lord. And something amazing happens. The first fruit offering, it's, it makes it all holy. It's like God takes a, it's an act of faith. Like, this is what I'm believing for. And uh, it's, it's not just in the book of Leviticus 
and Exodus, but Romans, Paul makes reference to it, Romans eleven sixteen. if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. And so there's something that happens when a first fruit is given, it's like we're giving God something that we don't know if we have yet, but this is what we're believing for. You know, how would they measure a first fruits offering? You know, like, well, is it gonna be a good harvest or a bad harvest? It's like, we're believing for a good harvest, so we bring a good harvest first fruits, and God says, I bless it, it's holy, it, which when God blesses something, he treats it as his own, he protects it, he keeps it, it's his. You know, this is why he says about Israel, you know, if they touch you, they're touching the apple of my eye. They're poking me in the eye when they go after you. And so God treats it that way. What an opportunity to bring all that we have under the blessing of God, holy, in the Hebrew, holy, kadesh, it means it's not part of the natural order. It's outside of the natural order. It's supernatural. The same, the, the word translated holy from the Greek, hagios or hagios, depending if you're from Texas or Greece, but the, uh, the, uh, is, it means it's separated from the normal. It's, it's just beyond Ordinary. It's extraordinary. And so th this is what happens to our lives when they get, they get sanctified. And this is a way we sanctify all that we have. It's an amazing thing. And now the second point is this is a pattern. It's not legalism. We're not going under Levitical law. But the pattern is simple that we honor God with our first and our best and uh, and then the rest is blessed. You know, it's just, I don't want to sound corny, but it is, it's a pattern that reveals his way, you know. So the, uh, and I love this little verse found in Ezekiel 44. And you might think, well, Ezekiel, man, we don't even understand Ezekiel. Like he's like the outer space prophet, you know. Uh, with wheels within wheels and caught up and dragged around by his hair through the heavens. But from Ezekiel 37, pretty much to the end of the book, Ezekiel is seeing an age yet to come. He's not talking about the age he's living in or even the age we're living in. He's talking about a new temple. He's talking about uh, the river, you know, river flowing from the throne, everything it touches, lives. And when he gets to then he gets into this temple that's never been built, that's somewhere off in the future, and, and there's a priesthood and all this stuff. So Ezekiel 44, this is the context of Ezekiel 44. He, he tells people to bring their first fruits, the best of all first fruits of any kind. Maybe that's why Paul talks about the dough, you know, the lump of dough that's brought his first fruits. You shall give to cause a blessing. This is the end of the verse. It goes through a lot of categories. It's a long verse. But if, you, if you're there, Ezekiel 44, 30, at the end of the verse, it says, to cause a blessing to rest on your house. Or so that a blessing 
comes and you know, it abides on your house. So this is an amazing thing. This is what we've seen year after year, that the first fruits blessing, you might say, well, you know, the things that I wrote down, I haven't seen. And so the question is, you know, because many things that we are going for are coming. You know, they come later. But the question is, are, is there a blessing resting on our house? And I think that's highly desirable, and this is a way we can cooperate with God so that his blessing rests on our house. It, you know, faith, obedience, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's just something like this is an act of faith, and God says, I like that. Um, the third point, generosity. And Derek, Derek talked about this quite a bit last week on his message, Money and Love. It's an indicator of grace and love working in our lives. And so 2 Corinthians 8, 7, these I'm reading out of the New International Version. Um, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in your love for us, I, I'm... I'm have great joy to say when I read this verse, I think of the people of Life Center, the congregation, the faith community of Life Center. It's so amazing. Then he says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He calls giving a grace. How many know a grace is God's ability, not our ability? You know, that's, it's a gift that comes from God. Anybody interested in growing in grace? You know, like, I want more grace in my life. It's grace that sets us free, that saves us, that heals us, that delivers us. Thank you, Jesus. And so um, this is a way we, that, that grace, we can excel in grace. And I have to say this. I'm, I want to give you encouragement that I think, I mean, this is my opinion, that part of the reason there is an abiding open heaven here, like there is, we have so many testimonies of people that drive on the property and they experience God. People have driven on the property and been healed of life-threatening conditions instantly. People have, uh, you know, many people, it's so calm, people walk in, they start crying. You know, they say, God is here, you know, this kind of thing. Part of that is there's an open heaven and part of opening the windows of heaven is our generosity, that we're not robbing God, that we are, you know, we're, we're, partnering with him in tithes and offerings. And I just give thanks to God for your participation in that grace. Now, but he goes on in verse eight and he says, I'm not commanding you, but I, which is why this is always purely voluntary, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Now you think like, Paul, that's kind of sneaky, isn't it? Well, you know, he's, I mean, there's, do you understand wisdom in the book of Proverbs? This means like shrewd, like you know how people work. And so he knows that these, uh, these Corinthians who lived in this wealthy southern part of Greece felt better than the Macedonians who lived in the poor northern part of Greece. And so he's telling them all about how amazing these Macedonian Christians were in their generosity. And John read from, it, uh, read from Paul's comments on them this morning. And, uh, and so he says, I'm not commanding you, but I am testing you. And so I'm not testing you, but God, you know, it's something God sees. He says, how much has love taken 
over your life. You know, and it's not the amount, it's the obedience. It's the willingness, it's the trust. And so the fourth point is, we give according to what we have, which is good news. Like, it's not what we don't have, but it's what we, <laughs> what we have. And the amazing thing is, our offerings take us beyond our present circumstances. This was, this was uh, amazingly illustrated in Ingrid's testimony this morning. And uh, so Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 8, 12, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. And so many people, you know, they'll feel like, well, you know, I don't have much. What difference does it make? Oh, it could totally change your life, revolutionize the world, set the captives free, you know, bring about reconciliation, release miracles, children being born, marriages, businesses, you know, the gospel preached to the end of the earth. Like, really? Really? You know, and so we have these stories where, where a very small offering has this massive effect. Elijah and the widow. She has nothing. Elijah says, hey, um, give me a drink. Okay, she gives him a drink. It's in a time of drought. She's living in a pagan land, Zarephath. It's the land of Baal. And God had commanded him to go there. And he says, I've, I've, prepared, you know, I've commanded a widow to feed you. She didn't know it yet, but uh, you know, God sees things from his point of view. And, and so then he says, well, wait a minute. Why don't you give me something to eat too? And now she, he touches the nerve. She says, do you know, we have nothing. We've got a little bit of flour and we've got a little tiny few drops of oil left in a jug and we've got a little flour in a jar. And my son and I are out here, don't, don't we look skinny, uh, <laughs> raggedy? And she said, we're gathering sticks. We're gonna go home. We're gonna make a little cake and bake it. We're gonna eat it and then we're gonna die. And Elijah, with this great pastoral grace that was on his life, um, he, he says, this is First uh, Kings 17, 13. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Very important, because if you fear, you can't believe. Uh, Go and do as you have said. <laughs> like, die. <laughs> but first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. Like, what? It's very interesting. The word translated little in the Septuagint, the Greek, the translation of, of the Old Testament into Greek that was basically what a lot of people read at the time of Jesus is translated in 200 BC. It uses this Greek word mikro, like where we get micro, right? Like, just make me like, you know, a little tiny chip. A little tiny, you know, did you see those little tiny things in the communion things? I think those are like micro breads. You know, like Chani says break them and I'm thinking like, how? You know, like how do you break this small? So this is like, Elijah says, that's fine, you can die, but first bring me some bread. Just a micro piece. So she, the, the strange thing is, the word of the, she has faith, she goes and does it. Maybe she's like, wah, 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 you know, and she goes and she brings it to him. And the amazing thing is, when you, we obey, it's like it releases 
the miracle power of God in our life. And so, so she went and did, well, wait, I, I should finish what he told her. He said, make something for yourself and your son, for thus says the Lord. Now, here's the life on it, and this is probably why she did it. The Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. It won't come to an end. The jug of oil will not be empty. There will be no lack until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. It's very important that people have hope, you know, not just instructions. And so she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, hallelujah, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. And sometimes we're just not aware of the capacity for increase. And so my prayer is, God, increase the grace to hear what you're saying and believe. Increase the grace. See, that was grace at work in her life. Like she did something that wasn't normal, natural, or logical. But somehow the word of the Lord gave her faith. She acted on it. And when we do the word of God, we're blessed. Just saying. Okay, next point, number five. When we're giving, we're planting seeds. And this is so important. We use this imagery a lot that, that when referring to offerings, Paul, Jesus, they all talked about sowing seeds. And so we, we um, what is, you know, a seed isn't very big, but a seed is alive. And as er, the seed, inside the seed are the instructions for the future You know, seeds are God's amazing miniaturization work. Like, do you know that in every cell, over a trillion cells in your body, are the full instructions for all of you? Like all, all your structure, all your, not, not necessarily your personality, but your hair color, your height, your, you know, your potential height, your potential weight. You know, there, there's some things we interact with these, with these factors, but the, the basic blueprint for you is there in every cell in your body. I mean, it's just like beyond imagination. Until the, the electron microscope was invented, like no one had a clue how this happened, and that's in every cell of every living plant and animal. And so, when we, you know, seeds contain instructions for the future, they're the living blueprint that captures the power, the, the power of the sun, the, the potential of the soil. Do you know that when a tree grows, it actually trains the soil, like it, it it doesn't just take from the soil, but it, it gives back, it feeds the soil. So all the right little you know, bacteria and little worms and I don't know what else is there, but it, it create, the tree actually will create its own proper soil and its own, I mean, imagine this, that you, the word of God goes into you and it trains the soil of your heart and life to be fruitful. So anyway, I mean, I just, I love these pictures of seeds. Uh, and 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly, which means, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna plant much seed, is, also, is gonna reap sparingly. This is just common sense. 
and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What's amazing is the word translated bountifully there means with blessing. So when someone gives out a compulsion, there's not a lot of blessing there. Because it, it's like, even if you give out a compulsion, it's always it, you know, it's always meagerly because your heart's not into it. This is why God loves the cheerful giver because the cheerful givers get it. It's like, whoa, I'm just like multiplying blessings. I'm gonna sow seed. I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna, and thank God you guys are generous. I'm, you know, I'm preaching to the choir basically, but, but I just wanna encourage you that when we sow and we understand the blessing, what's multiplied back to us is blessing in multiple dimensions, you know? And so uh, we go on here. It says, this, you know, the seed we sow you know, our, I mean, isn't it amazing that children are called seed? Like God spoke to Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He, sp he spoke to the serpent and warned him. He said, you think you won, but I'm telling you, that woman's gonna have a seed and that seed will crush the head of your seed. And, uh, and so he was, and so Jesus was in that sense the seed of Adam and Eve, all the way down. So there's this amazing storyline. We were singing it this morning. You know, I, I just wanna be caught up in your story. I want all my life for your glory. And that it's all written in the seed, you know, the seed of the word of God. Our children are our seeds. Our words are seeds. Uh, the sower sows the seed, Mark chapter four. Uh, and and then he explains to the disciples, they go, what were you talking about? And he says, well, this is the secret of the kingdom of God. The sower sows the word. He's talking about the promises of God. Isn't that amazing? The promises of God take root in our heart when we hear them and believe them, and out of them comes all this fruit and blessing. And, uh, and then our offerings are seeds. We're planting for the future. And this is one of my favorite illustrations. We've used it for many years. If I could get a better illustration, I'll change the pictures. So you all can help me. You know, some of you have seen this for like eight years in a row or something. But I, you know, I grew up in Northern California and about 50 miles from my house were, were the Calaveras big trees. And in Yosemite were, were the uh, the big groves of sequoias and Sequoia National Park and Kings Canyon National Park, all through this part of the Sierra Nevadas are the only place on earth where these sequoias grow. They, they're the largest organism on earth. The California redwood is the tallest tree on earth, but the sequ giant sequoias are bigger. You know, in total mass, they grow up over 300 feet tall. And, um, and they're so big that to study them, the, these botanists, scientists, dendrologists, whatever uh, ology that they're part of, they, they're using mountain climbing gear to climb up the tree and study the microclimates and the, you know, there's these whole ecological systems at different levels in the tree. It's stunning. The bark on these, without exaggeration, is up to two feet thick. And, uh, <laughs> That's, and they're, when, they're, when they're mature, they're fireproof. 
you know, like a forest fire can come through and kill all the young, the little trees, but, and their bark, you can see on the bark, the black on their bark, that's from fires in the past. But the bark is so thick, it's amazing insulation, and they, it doesn't damage or, or destroy them. It's, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. And the thing that's the most mind-boggling about it is the size of the seed that these trees come from. These trees that you're seeing are two to 3,000 years old. But if you look at the screen, and it looks like I'm right in the way of, the, of the, at least the camera seeing it, you can see the seeds are tiny. And every year when people present their first fruits, we give bags of little sequoia seeds, and some people have them planted, you know, pretty soon. You know, maybe in a thousand years we'll have giant sequoia groves here. I believe. Anyway, but the seeds are like the size of a tomato seed. You know, they're, I mean, maybe slightly bigger, but you, they're just tiny little seeds. And uh, years ago when I first moved here, I remember talking about sowing seeds, and I, I had a sequoia cone, which I've lost since then, and I, to get one, you have to go to like a state park and take one off the ground, which you're not supposed to do, so you know. Uh, <laughs> if I show up with one, you can pray for me. And, uh, but anyway, when I showed it to everybody, they, like the cone is like this big, like three inches tall, and they're, they don't have any, they're soft and round, and inside each cone is like 2,000 seeds or more. And people didn't believe me. They said, no, that's the seed. I said, no, it's not. You know, it's, this is the cone. And uh, so I'm just saying, the size of the seed isn't the main thing. The main thing is the destiny that's written into the seed, the potential that's written into the seed. So if you hear God, I mean, that little widow lady gave him a micro chip, you know, a micro crumb, and it released life, life, life for her and her whole household for years. So anyway, so our, in a, in a, when we give offerings, we're sowing for the future, and in those offerings is almost infinite increase. And so how do we give? We give with joy. We give 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Because the cheerful giver, do you understand? I mean, Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. You know, he, he knew it. It was horrible. He said, Father, now the, the, my hour has come. And it, if there's some way around this, plan B, could we do that? And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Thy will in the King James. Isn't that amazing? He knew about this all along, and it was for the joy of seeing you and me and millions and a multitude no man can number in the earth set free that he did this. I just think, amazing. So what if when we give, we just give with this kind of joy? Like, God, I don't even know how it's all gonna work out, but I know it's good. Okay, so, um, so let me, we'll get to point six. Generosity brings a proportional response. It's energized, it's full of God, and uh, Luke six thirty eight. give, and it might be given to you. That's how people treat it. Like, I don't know. I mean, 
Give and it'll be given to you. And the implication is it's multiplied. It's a good measure. It's pressed down. It's shaken together. It's overflow. It's running over and it's gonna be put in your lap. I'm just like, we should believe these things, say these things, declare them over our offerings. I mean, do you understand, like our personal life, like what we do, we go, God, I believe your word. Jesus said it. This is in the red letter, if you have a red letter Bible. If you give, you'll always get back more. And this is the benefit, not the motive. But if you, you know, if you're not very spiritual, it could be the motive. The problem is, if it becomes totally the motive, then sometimes God says, Good luck. You know, I, I, I don't know how that works, but it's like he's after our heart. <laughs> he doesn't need the money, but he does want our hearts. Then it, and the amazing thing is, the seventh point is, our, our giving, particularly the first fruit offerings, we've seen it releases the overflow of God's creative ability. And uh, I love 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray, God, increase the grace at work in our lives, the grace of giving, that, that we would step into the, our lives and we'd be able to look around and say, God, you've made all grace abound so that I always have all that I need, everything within my assignment, within your will for me, I have what I need. And some of it, we don't have it now because it's not time yet. But it's not like we're saying, God, you didn't keep your word. I mean, <laughs> anyway, this makes me think of a funny story that I don't have time to tell, of, of a guy who was telling me this for quite a while. He was in a lot of financial pain. He says, I just wish God would keep his word. If you saw him now, you would say, God not only kept his word, he overflowed it with abundance, you know, but it, anyway. And sometimes we have situations where we have tragedy, but the word of God on the testimony, the promises, I mean, the, the testimony, Chandi talked about it earlier this year. Jeff and Emily gave their testimony on video, and you know that there was a day where they had a baby. They, I mean, one of their first fruits requests last year was a baby. We're crying, God, we can't, you know, this has to be God. So in March, we found out they were pregnant. We we're all excited, it's wonderful. They go get an MRI, March 31st. It's behind me on the screen. I didn't know that last time, but it, it, anyway. And so she, you know, in the night she's, she starts bleeding and, and it's a miscarriage and Jeff calls for prayer. He comes by the church for prayer uh, and asks for prayer. And so we're praying and, you know, we're just weeping and God, you know, this is terrible. This is, and then that was April 1st, April Fool's Day. But on Monday, on March, March or April 4th, they went in, for, went in for a procedure and they did an MRI, or not MRI, ultrasound, and there was a big baby there. You can see on the, that panel, twice the size, strong heartbeat. God can raise the dead, he can create life where there is no life. It's, I mean, there's something about faith and 
prayers and offerings and all this stuff. So, and this is our story too. I mean, we went, I mean, we didn't know it. We, you know, we barely knew anything. It wasn't taught. Any giving wasn't taught. I mean, literally, Ann and I grew up without a church background. After we, we've known the Lord a few weeks, this guy who had been a Christian like a couple weeks longer than us, you know, and he had, was a heroin addict who had just gotten delivered. And he, we went to the same prayer meeting and his name was John Kohler. And John comes up to me and says, um, you know about tithing? I go, what's that? He says, well, you're supposed to give 10%. I said, ah, because we had been wondering. We just think, God, what are we supposed to give? You know, like, is this like a rock concert? Like, they, they you know, what, how much do the tickets cost? You know, and so it's like put $2 in the offering or something just, you know, but we're kind of clueless. And he says, oh, tithing. I said, what's that? He said, well, you're supposed to give 10%. I said, you are? And he said, yeah. I said, okay. Like, this is childlike faith. It has nothing to do, I wasn't under legalism. I wasn't, it was an answer to the, our question. And so the next Sunday, I was a river guide. It didn't have much work that week. We put in 10% of my gross income. It was $7. We had a very simple life. And uh, some weeks we did better than that, obviously. But it was like, and it made me happy. And so, like, we had the joy that, oh, we are doing this to please the Lord, not because we're under threat. We wanted to know, how do we do this? And so a few weeks later, at a, at probably at the same prayer meeting, John walks up to me and he says, the Lord told me to give this to you. And he shakes my hand and in his hand, there's a folded up $5 bill. I didn't know anything about Pentecostal handshakes or this is like <laughs> church stuff, you know, that sometimes people still do it. Hopefully it's more than $5 these days. But anyway, this was 1972. So, so I'm looking, when he leaves, I'm looking in my hand, there's $5 bill. And I'm mystified because I said, wait, the Lord told him to give this to me. Like, what does that mean? Like, did I, is this a refund? Like, did I like, I, maybe I paid too much, I don't know. You know, it was, we didn't know all that Christian language like the Lord told me, just, I, I know what it means now, but I didn't then. I took it all very literally like a little child, you know, it's like, oh, okay, should we do something, you know, like, and it's amazing because there was a sense of awe, like this is holy, you know. <laughs> and anyway, um, but here's the story: you partner with God, He partners with you. A number of years later, you know, we gave and we didn't, but we had a lot of poverty. Sometimes we didn't have food for real. Sometimes we literally, I rode my bicycle to work so we'd have enough gas to get to the meetings that we wanted to go to. And I was a Christian school teacher and. Get, paid extremely small amount, and God bless all the Christian school teachers, we wanna do better. <laughs> the, uh, but we, you know, God took care of us, and in my prayer, I, I would cry out, God, what's the secret? Someone gave me a book about money and about giving, and, and so I, I read it, and I thought, wow. So we told, I told Ann, I know the solution, we, we're gonna start giving more. You know, she's like, Wait, we don't have food, and you're saying we should give more. But it, it, 
here's the story, and I thank, and I bless Anne for her faith, and I, and in my stupidity, like I, you know, I didn't know what I'm doing, but she's like, okay, let's give it a try, you know, and, but here's the story, that was 1977, seven years later, 1984, through a lot of miracles, not because I made a lot more money, but just, total, they were just things that we never expected to happen, we built a house, cash, 1984, I built it myself with a lot of help from friends, but we paid cash, it was like a miracle. And I'm just saying, I'm not saying do this and that'll happen to you, but I'm just saying, trust God, he's good. And all grace will abound to you in the areas where you need it. And that house, fortunately, a few years later, we sold it, and that's how we got to Pennsylvania. You know, it was like, so it was a good story. Anyway, so this is just an opportunity. Okay, quickly. Four keys to first fruits, cyclic. We, that's why we do it annually. I mean, people, you could pick a different time to do it. We do it in faith. And faith is, is usually a stretch beyond what we're comfortable with. You know, we trust God. We hear him for a number. If, if it's really comfortable and it's no big deal, maybe, I, I don't want to tell you what, what God will say to you, but it's like, it might not be faith. And then if it's just this crazy number, like I'm gonna do this so God will pay me back, then that could be called presumption. But faith is somewhere in between. It's hearing God. Sometimes it's not a huge amount. Sometimes it's a specific amount. Sometimes it's like God said to Abraham, give me your son. You know, like it's insane. But here's the thing, when we partner with him, then he shows up. That's, that's all I'm saying. I wanna pray that you can all hear God. Uh, it's, it's sacrificial. Sac, sacrifice, all, you know, it involves personal cost. Like if, there's usually a feeling attached to a sacrifice, like, ah, oh, you know, there, it's a bit of a challenge. And, uh, and God's touched by our feeling. You know, the things that move us usually move him. And especially if it's in obedience. David said, I'm not gonna give burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And, uh, and then it's focus. This is really important. Focus on, you know, like pray for targets. I, I don't think I, I forgot to bring up, oh, nope, I didn't. The envelope. In, on the envelope. There's a place to write. Here's what we're believing for. And I just encourage you, say, God, what are, the what are the things that are held by the enemy that I want back? What are the places where I'm believing you for godly breakthrough? What are the desires of our heart? Like, God loves you, you know? Like, he's blessed with your prosperity. He's happy when you do well, you know? And so you, I would just say, pick the top one, two, three, he may give you a specific, this year we're going for this, this is what God's put on our heart, and then we're sowing seed into that field. You know, it's, it's like, and that way we have a specific target and we get a specific um, testimony that often includes more than what we were aiming for, but it's just so good. It reflects, it's, ba it's not, ant it's in, you know, it's biblical or it doesn't, at least it doesn't contradict the Bible. And then once we've sown it, you know, there's, 
We water it, we pray, we believe, we make decrees, we declare, we remind God. It's not like he forgot, but we're just speaking it. You know, we're speaking it as his children, like my field's gonna be blessed. That seed I sowed, it's gonna be blessed. We can't guarantee the harvest time. You know, we can't guarantee the harvest time. How many know there are still promises prophesied by Isaiah, prophesied to Abraham by God that we haven't seen the fulfillment of, but we're, we're on a journey with God. <laughs> and the stuff we don't get rewarded for here on earth, you know, we get rewarded for in eternity, and we're releasing blessing that goes on for thousands of years, like those sequoia trees. That's why, you know, we're starting a Christian school in the fall, and the name of it's going to be Sequoia Christian School because we're believing, we're sowing into these mighty young lives who are going to make a change for thousands of years to come. Should the Lord tarry, you know. <laughs> but meanwhile, we're gonna be about his work. So, um, and anyway, so that's it. Why don't you stand up? I'm gonna release you here. And uh, when you come next week, you know, I just wanna pray you have ears to hear and this will be a holy time, you know, set, you know, you, all the instructions are there. And on, on Sunday, we're gonna bless you and partner with you. And year after year, we see the goodness of God. We, we literally, the pastoral time, we take time out from our normal activities. We pray over every envelope, every, if you're online, the things you write online, we partner with you in prayer. We're all in this together. So how many want more grace in your life? Raise your hands. Holy Spirit, I pray that there would be a release of grace to hear your voice, to sense your goodness, your love. I pray there'd be no fear I thank you for the faith that's here. I pray there would be an increase of ability to hear, ability to respond. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do in response to this first fruits offering this year as we partner with you to change the world. In Jesus' name. Now I have to say, as I began to pray, I just felt like a thick grace presence of God come here and it's on you and you're gonna carry it with you. Not, it's not just because you're here today, but it's something to steward in your life and walk in this whole year. This is my desire that I would walk in, with a continual awareness of not just his presence, but his affection and his goodness toward me and toward the people around me and toward the world around me. You know, I, I, I don't want to close without telling you one of my great joys in this is we have a fantastic, we have a, the best staff maybe in the world. You know, I don't want to make people mad at me by saying that, but, um, and we have an outstanding children's pastor, Travis Johnson. Travis and Leanna, Travis is a sign and a wonder because he just 
loves his kids and he, and he teaches them faith. So a big joy in the first fruits offering is that so many children are excited about it. I was talking to Travis about it. He said, my greatest joy is how excited they are. Like they get jobs, they work for it, they believe for it. And I mean, you know, we have children, they put in, they bring their first fruits offerings. They have things like they want a new pet. Okay, we expect that. And many of them have the testimony. You know, they got the pet. Some of them want a sibling. And they, and they have these testimonies of, brothers and sisters. And last year, there were some children, they wrote down, they wanted a house. And this year, I mean, right now, their family is building a house, you know? So it's just like, it just gives me so much joy that our children are growing up with faith and expectation and an understanding of partnering with God. So God, give us the heart of children. Just give us the heart of children in our faith and we trust you in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 So God bless you, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to next week. By the way, I, I didn't say in the first service, but we always have this no fear guarantee that, you know, for, for, we used to say for two weeks, but the requests never come after two weeks. So we'll say for two months, if you decide, whoa, I just blew it, I, put, I gave way too much, we gladly give you your money back. We've done it a few times during all these years, and we always do it with joy, no shame. And uh, so you can hear God and trust him, and if it's a total train wreck, come talk to us, and we will congratulate you for stepping out on the limb of faith. Amen. God bless you. Thank <laughs> you.